from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, good morning, security gang, live from Florida. It's another day, Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Welcome to this morning's show. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for helping me kick off this year with record numbers of downloads and listeners. Really, I'm so forever grateful for every single person who listens to this show. Um, And I wanted to express that gratitude uh, this morning. Uh, So thank you all very so much. So we've got a packed show this morning. Some really interesting things going on. Patches, vulnerabilities, as well as some geopolitical stuff that's starting to really kind of shore up here. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about Biden's uh, potential executive order. Uh, I won't have more on that today, but I'm just trying to kind of lay out the landscape of what we could potentially be dealing with as practitioners. This Biden executive order, by the way, could be misconstrued as the government essentially defending organizations or corporations. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the government's going to be looking to have um, offensive capabilities to prevent major cybersecurity attacks uh, on, on, on critical infrastructure and critical services within the U.S. government and then the private sector. Um, so, so just keep that in mind because I had a lot of people kind of reach out yesterday and ask me these questions and I would just Wanted to be very, very, very clear about that. So, Pack Show, let's get into this morning's show. But before we do, um, I'm staying at a hotel where there's actually an espresso machine. Now, I didn't bring any cups because I wasn't really sure if they had an espresso machine or not. The, the website said they did, but I was like, uh, we'll see. But 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 they do give you these like reusable cups. But the espresso machine is magnificent. I mean, I'm 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 just I'm wired up. Um, so, um, with that being said. Thank you all for tuning in this morning. Join me in the coffee cup cheers with whatever your morning beverage is. And let's talk about cyber. Coffee cup cheers. We'll start this morning's show talking about Oracle's first security update for 2023 that has 327 new patches. 70 of those fix critical severity vulnerabilities. Excuse me about that. Over 200 of the patches resolve security defects that can be exploited remotely without authentication. Some of the resolved bugs impacts multiple products. The highest number of new fixes was released by the tech giant for Oracle Communications at 79. Of these, 63 vulnerabilities are remotely exploitable without authentication, and 19 have a critical severity rating. Oracle's 2023 CPU includes 50 security patches that resolve flaws in Fusion middleware, 39 of the bugs can be exploited by a remote unauthenticated attacker, and 14 are rated critical. Many of the patches were also released for communication applications, 39 patches, including 31 for remotely exploitable um, um, uh, remotely exploitable without authentication, and for MySQL, 37 fixes, 8 for unauthenticated remotely executable flaws. Other Oracle enterprise software that received numerous patches include financial application, financial services applications with 16 e-business suite, people soft, database servers, supply chain, utilities application, constructions and engineering, food and beverage application, support tools, and virtualization. 327 patches to kick off the year for Oracle. It just shows you um, the shift that needs to happen on the software development side uh, to address this. That's just so, so critical uh, and something that we really need to spend more time on. And and we're starting to see that shift, by the way, but but we're, we're still a long way from it. So, um Oracle, with its challenges, if you're an Oracle customer, you definitely want to make sure you get these, you identify 
these vulnerabilities, you log these vulnerabilities, you identify the risk of every single one of these vulnerabilities, and then you prioritize the patching based on the risk and business and, and, and then business enablement parts of your uh, program. So um, have that in have that in mind. Microsoft patches four SSRF flaws in a separate Azure cloud services. Two of the vulnerabilities, in, one in Azure Functions and the other in Azure Digital Twins, required no account authentication for an attacker to exploit them. The Microsoft team had fixed the vulnerabilities in four separate services of its Azure Cloud Platform, two of which could have allowed an attacker to perform a server-side request forgery attack and thus potentially execute more remote code execution, even without authentication, to a legitimate account. Researchers from Orca identified... Um, um, identified uh, four Azure services vulnerable to SSRF, Azure API management, Azure functions, Azure machine learning, and Azure digital twins. The blog published yesterday uh, further revealed that they were able to exploit the flaws in Azure functions and Azure digital twins by sending requests to in the server's name, even without having to authenticate to an Azure account. Uh, the SSRF allows an attacker to abuse the server-side application by making requests to read an update internal resources as well as submit data to external sources that can allow for a host of disruptive activity on the network, including for threat actors to launch various attacks. Um, so those have been updated. You want to kind of go back in your logs because the, the request could be coming unauthenticated. Uh, if, if you're using Azure and you're on an Azure platform, I would definitely go back and look at your logs, stuff coming in through your API, stuff, uh, stuff coming in through your Azure app services and app function apps. And just make sure there's nothing in there that doesn't seem fishy, per se. Um, and 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 just cover cover, you know, make sure that no one's exploited this while it was available. Um, and then and then go about your day. Attackers are using GitHub code spaces to host and deliver malware. Researchers have demonstrated how threat actors can abuse the GitHub code space code spaces port forwarding feature to host and to host and distribute malware and malicious scripts. Codespaces, which allows developers to deploy cloud-hosted IDE platforms in virtualized containers to write, edit, and test run code directly within a web browser. Since it became widely available in November of last year, GitHub Codespaces has become a popular choice among developers who prefer it for its pre-configured container-based environment equipped with all the necessary tools and dependencies needed for their projects. A new report by Trend Micro uh, demonstrates how GitHub Codespaces can easily be configured to act as a web server for distributing malicious content while potentially avoiding detection as the traffic comes from Microsoft. Codespaces also allows developers to forward TCP ports to the public so external users can test and view their applications. When forwarding ports in a Codespace VM, the GitHub feature will generate a URL to access the app running on that port, which can be configured as, as either private or public. A private port forward requires authentication in the form of a token or cookie to access the URL. However, a public port is accessible to anyone who knows the URL without requiring authentication. The GitHub feature gives developers flexibility in code demonstration, but Trend Micro says attackers today can easily abuse it to host malware on the platform. So um, you can definitely see this. This is precisely how threat actors could abuse other trustworthy services like Google Cloud, AWS, and Azure for malware, malware distribution campaigns. Uh, in the process of this, they can easily find the URL in the absence of cookies uh, for authentication. And the analysts say the HTTP is used by default port forwarding and developers can set it to HTTPS, increasing the illusion of security for the URL. So that's another way to have to secure your DevSecOps and, and DevOps uh, within GitHub 
and really run best practices around it. So um, another uh, um, another thread vector targeting our developers, and and this has been you know go back to Circle CI, go back to uh, um, SolarWinds. SolarWinds was really the the, the opening kickoff of uh, going after code uh, from a scale perspective, and and now we're seeing this. So so keep that in mind. 18,000 Nissan customers have been affected by a data breach at a third-party software developers. Nissan North America is informing roughly 18,000 customers that their personal information was exposed in a data breach at a third-party services provider. The breach occurred after data provided by Nissan to the services provider was inadvertently exposed on the internet. The company notes in a notification letter sent to the impacted customers, the impacted third-party service provider um, provides software development services to Nissan. Nissan provides certain information to the service provider for processing during the testing of the software. So this was customer data being used for uh, testing. The company was informed of the incident in June of 2022. In September, its investigation into the breach determined that some personal information belonging to Nissan customers was accessed and exfiltrated from the repository. The compromised information includes names, birthdays, and, and NMAC account numbers. The breach did it include social security numbers or credit card information, and those people are getting notified. Another third-party breach Software development so common in every single organization. You've got a third party that is uh, uh, working on different bits and pieces of your tech. Um, and so uh, something to keep in mind and something to vet as part of your third party management. And finally, Iranian government entities are under attack by a new wave of a backdoor diplomacy attacks. The threat actor backdoor diplomacy, which has been linked to China, according to Palo Alto Unit 42, which is tracking its activity under playful Taurus, said it observed government domains attempting to connect to malware infrastructure previously identified as associated with the adversary. Um, they've got a bunch of different names for this Chinese APT, but they have a history of cyber espionage campaigns aimed at government and diplomatic entities across North America, South America, Africa, and the Middle East since at least 2010. He said in June of 2021, unpacked intrusions mounted by the hacking crew against diplomatic entities and telecom companies in Africa and the Middle East using a custom implant known as Turion. Then in December of 2021, Microsoft announced the seizure of 42 domains operated by the group that were targeting uh, 29 countries. Uh, the threat actor was most recently attributed to an attack on an unnamed telecom company in the Middle East using Curion, a predecessor of Turion that allows a point of remote access into targeted networks. Um, the cybersecurity company further noted that it observed four different Iranian organizations, including the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Natural Resources Organizations, reaching out to known command and control server attributed to the group. Uh, the new versions of Turian backdoor uh, support uh, additional obfuscation, as well as an updated decryption algorithm used to extract the C2 servers. However, the malware in itself is generic and in it, and by that it means that it offers basic functions to update the C2 server to connect to execute commands and spawn reverse shell. Why is China going after Iran, you ask yourself this morning? Very simple. When the US withdrew from Afghanistan, China got further into that region. Afghanistan neighbors Iran. Iran's very rich, by the way, with some minerals and natural resources. Um, Iran currently being isolated um, from essentially the rest of the world uh, because of its nuclear ambitions. China sees that as an opportunity to take advantage of a weakened Iran. They're trying to understand their foreign affairs and kind of what the government direction is. Are they playing with China for real or are they using Chinese in order to leverage the Europeans and the U.S. and, 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 and the West into potentially making concessions to Iran? Additionally, uh, 
China is very much interested in, in Iran and have been actually partnering with them on a lot of cyber campaigns. So seeing this is no surprise, uh, each place for its own, even though the enemy of the enemy is my friend. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for everyone commenting this morning. Really do appreciate you. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.